as we don't need to unite in some more faces for the pass of this book again for the third time. As you remember yesterday, we were discussing some of the misconceptions about Christianity. We mentioned that Christianity is not a religion, even though we see many people classifying Christianity as one of the monotheistic religions. We mentioned that all natural religions are of human opinion, opinion. They are created by the human brain, the human intellect. Christianity is not a religion, a religion, but the revealed truth, the revealed truth to man's purified noose. Christianity is totally unrelated to philosophy because like the other philosophical systems, religions, and all forms of philosophical systems, they rely on the human intellect, the human brain, and their creations of the human mind. True Christianity is a revelation of God in man's heart, in man's soul. And as we mentioned yesterday, the terms nous, soul, heart, they are interchangeable. The unfortunate thing is that in the New Testament, the word nous is lost. It's translated in the English language as brain, mind, understanding, you know, where it is a very, very specific term in the Orthodox theology. The nous is the eye of the soul, the, the purest part of the soul, so to speak. The Church Fathers, and a lot of these information you will find in the books of the wonderful work of Metropolitan Yerotheos Vlachos. The, uh, the soul has the heart, which is the essence of the soul, and the nous, which is the energy of the soul. And the primary work, the primary work of the orthodox spirituality, and the primary work of the orthodox Christian lies in the effort to liberate, to free the nous from its slavery to all created things and to be left free to attain the wisdom of God. Before the fall, the noose of Adam was in the heart and he had a vision of God. He had full communion with Christ, with God. After the fall, the noose became attached to the creatures instead of the creator. And now the noose is enslaved. And that's why when we try to pray, our mind, our brain is reading the prayers and our noose takes off all over the place. Through divine liturgy, through prayers, through the apodipment service, you know, our noose travels left and right. And the church fathers talk about the noose 
like a stray dog that loves to stay around the butcher shop. So the news in today's neo-orthodoxy and academic theology is identified with reason. So then communion of God becomes problematic. We'll read you a very important verse that will help us understand some of the things that we're talking about yesterday. In Romans 12.1, Therefore, I beseech you, brother, uh, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, pleasing to God, which is your reasonable worship. So we offer ourselves to God as living sacrifices. And then St. Paul talks about the very thing that we all have failed in as Christians today. Do not conform any longer with this world. Do not become secularized. Do not do the things that the world does, but be transformed, metamorphosis. Be transformed by the renewing of your noose. The King James says mind, but the Greek is very overt. So be transformed by the renewing of your noose. This is the journey of orthodox spirituality to transform our passions, not necessarily eradicate them and get rid of them. The passions are energies of the soul that need to be transformed. The anger that we feel against our human being, we need to use it against sin and against the devil. So the anger has a place. Christ said, get behind me, Satan. So we need to transform these passions by the renewing of the noose. This is epistemi ton epistemon, the science of sciences of the human life. Then you will be able to test and see, and this is so beautiful. Once you renew your noose, you take your noose back into your Heart and make it, give it its God-given function to stay in the heart and guard the soul from evil thoughts. That's what the noose is supposed to do. It's supposed to govern the other parts of the soul. In the soul, we have three different parts. We have the noetic part the noetic, and then we have the appetitive, and then we have the irascible, and I will explain these things in simple terms. We have the noetic, we have the reason and the noose. That is one of the energies you know, of the soul, one of the parts of the soul. Then we have the area of desire where we get our emotions. 
our feelings, where we desire things. And then we have the willpower, where we'll, which will put things into action. So when these powers of the soul are not directed towards God, then they play around with all the passions. So we have different desires, different passionate and evil desires. And the noose, instead of fighting these desires, it begins to chase them, as we said, like a dog near a butcher shop. So when a noose is dark, then it coincides with the reason and it loses vision of God. So the whole struggle of the spiritual life, the dilemma of men is that after the fall, he has these tendencies, and without this struggle to purify our heart, we cannot see God. And now you can see how the scriptures become very clear and the Beatitudes. Blessed are those of a pure heart, for they will see God. So the major difference of orthodoxy with, with fallen branches of Christianity is orthodoxy has kept its theology unaltered because it relies heavily on the purified news and heart. So the consensus of the church fathers, whether in the third century or seventh century, they receive the same revelation, you see? Because God is unaltered, does not immutable, it does not change. So the revelation does not change. And when St. Siloan went to his elder, 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 I've been deceived. He went to his elder and he said, I've been deceived. I saw, I saw Christ. How can I possibly see Christ? I'm a sinner. The elder, because he had this experience, you see, he says, okay, what did you see? I saw this and this and this. And he told him, no, you were not deceived. You did see Christ, you see because they have the same experience. The same experience that Gregory the theologian may have had, or Simeon the theologian, six, seven hundred years before. The same experience stays in the church. This is the consensus of the church fathers. And that's why we have union in orthodoxy. We're one church. On the other hand, because Protestantism have humanistic theology and they do not have revelation of God, they develop theology as they go along. And that's why they have, they have 25,000 different pieces right now in the United States. So the tragedy of all heresies and papism is the introduction of human reason and logic into the mysteries of God, logic. But we said yesterday that logic and reason is good for what? For mundane things, for horizontal thinking. 
taught how to work, how to make a living, how to invent something. You know, the reason, reason is very helpful. How to create scientific uh, inventions. It is important up to a point, and then it can enslave us. It's like right now, we have so many different inventions that we need to have a drugstore in every food store. Food and pharmacy everywhere we see. Why? Because of scientific inventions. All these different chemicals that are finding their way in our bloodstream, like nylon and all kinds of different things that we use every day. So finally, all these different civilization is anti-human. So what happened in the West? Well, it's very natural to follow the path of least resistance, like water. When you have water, it'll slide downwards, you see. It's not going to go uphill. But the spiritual life is uphill. It is an uphill battle. It's a ladder of ascent, and it takes bloody work. It takes a lot of work. So in the West, after the scholastic theology that we spoke about yesterday, we lost the revelation of God, the grace of God, and now we depended on human theology and human reason, human intellect, because it is much easier. It is much easier than living the life of the cross, the gospel of the cross. And that's why St. Paul says you need to make yourselves, to offer yourselves as living sacrifice, as living sacrifice. So the invention of new theology that ex excludes struggle and ascesis is the dilemma of a lot of our Orthodox leaders today, unfortunately, and our neo-Orthodox theologians who have excluded the ascetic element from their spiritual life. So when we secularize Christianity, we serve our self, our selfishness actually, our philatheia in Greek. It is the following of the path of least resistance. It's the love of the flesh. So today, very few people practice the type of Christianity that was passed down by the apostles. In the early church, the noose was very healthy. If you noticed, St. Paul, in this verse, talks about logiki latria, logical worship. That sounds like Chinese to us today. Sounds like Chinese, a different language. What does that mean? What it means, it's to be distinguished from the noetic worship, the prayer of the heart. So he's writing to the Corinthians who are still somewhat carnal. They have not reached spirituality. He says, we have three categories of people. People are either psychiki, 
animal-like. They don't care about God. They're atheists. They're simply live, eat, work, die. That's it. Nothing else exists. Materialists. This is the category of natural people, St. Paul calls them, psychiki, zoodis in Greek. And then we have the carnal person who is beginning to struggle to attain the orthodox spirituality, and he still has passions, like the Corinthians. They used to have all kinds of dissension. You know, I prefer to be with Apollos, or, you know, I am a Peter, I am a Paul. There were divisions because they were not advanced yet spiritually. They were very excited about shiny gifts, like speaking in different languages, because they were very impressive. And St. Paul says, look, you're still babes in Christ. You're babies. I can only give you milk. I can't give you solid food. And I was, I was telling Nico this morning, I'm very excited because we can give a little bit of solid food here in Toronto. You know, in these classes, because this is the core of Orthodox spirituality. This is exciting stuff. So, when we ignore this type of theology, the purification of the noose, we condemn our people into spiritually spiritual infancy. Spiritual infancy. Most of our Orthodox today are spiritual infants. They have no idea what is the purpose of life. So when we secularize orthodoxy, Christianity, we do this because we love our flesh more than the cross of Christ, more than God. And we have this example, beautiful example of St. Nicodemus of the Holy Mountain. Saint Nicodemus, one of the great Olivades. He talks about the spiritual lukewarmness of Peter. Peter the Apostle. Right before the cross, Peter was attacked by two different thoughts, logismi, from the devil. And he was not careful. The first one was of pride. When he said, Lord, everyone else can abandon you, but I will never abandon you. I will follow you to death. Everyone else, not as strong as me. That was a fatal mistake of Peter at that point. The devil put that thought in Peter, trapped him. That was the first passion, first logismos. Saint Nicodemus, talks about the second one, which was amelia, akivia, or lukewarmness, laziness, spiritual laziness. And he says that Peter followed Christ, but he followed at a distance. He followed at a distance. He was not ready to die with Christ. Why? Because Christ pulled his grace away from him. Oh, I see. You're better than the others? Okay. Try to do this on your own. Try to do this on your own. He pulls his grace, and now Peter is following at a distance. He goes in 
to the courtyard of Caiaphas, but he follows at a distance. And uh, St. Nicodemus says his heart was not burning inside, so he needed to heat up with fire. He needed to go around a fire because he was cold spiritually. But John, John was ready. John was humble. He, has, he was full of love. John didn't need to warm himself. He was boiling inside from the love for Christ. He followed Christ to the end. He didn't care about his flesh, about his, himself. He was ready to die to Christ if he needed to, if he needed to die. Because John was pure. He was the purest of the apostles. See what a pure heart does? Humility, humility is one of the greatest virtues. St. Nicodemus says in this beautiful booklet. Now go ahead. Fill a whole book with zeros. Fill a whole book with zeros. And unless you put one or two in front, these zeros are nothing. Nothing. This is how virtues are without humility. Peter had great virtues, but in that particular moment felt weak and he succumbed to the thought, to the logismo of pride. The grace left him and all his other virtues were nullified. He denied the Lord. He denied Christ. Where John was granted the virgin, the ever virgin, the purest human being on earth was granted to John. To watch her? No, she was watching him. God was, was with her. So Peter, after this fall, he repented heavily and it is said that every time he heard a rooster cry, he cried for the rest of his life. For the rest of his life. This is the beautiful theology of the Orthodox Church Fathers of their Illumined Nous. Theology with praxis, with ascesis. They tried at first and then they taught. We don't have this for you. We don't have any experiences. So we rely on their experiences. That's all we can do. So we simply transmit their information to you. St. Maximus the Confessor speaks very clearly on this. Theology without praxis, without hysechasm, without ascesis, no matter how brilliant, no matter how great, is theology of the demons. And somebody asked yesterday, how, you know, how do we know that our heart is beginning to become pure? First of all, it's a very long struggle because most of us did not grow up properly. We did not grow, grow up in a saintly environment. So most of us, we have a very unhealthy and impure subconscious. And the devil will draw from our past experiences all kinds of evil thoughts to bring him up. 
to try to pollute us on a daily basis. And we need to stand guard and fight these thoughts constantly. How to purify the news and how do we know? This is not the subject for today. You could take hours for this, but I would just mention a couple of things. Number one, we have to train constantly to maintain constant memory of God. God is in, uh, Joseph is in Egypt. There's all kinds of Egyptians around, idolaters. He has extreme temptations, but what saves Joseph is the constant memory of God, the memory that God is watching me at every split second. How can I possibly do this evil sin in the eyes of my God, in front of my God? And St. Joseph did high sarcasm. Did you know that? Joseph was a high sarcasm as well. He went into prison for 10 years. What do you think he, he did there? He prayed. He had, he had Isaiah in the prison. He would have been lost in Egypt possibly. So God allowed this temptation. He put Joseph in prison for about 10 years. He stayed there. He prayed constantly and he was in prison that he had the revelations of the dreams of Pharaoh. Remember that? It was in prison that God gave him that revelation because he was away from the noise he was able to prepare himself, and after these 10 years of preparation, he was able to be second in command of the entire Egypt. Another great example of hysychasm in the Old Testament, just like we mentioned yesterday, that Moses could not separate two Israelites by his philosophical news and by his wisdom that he he was able to have in Egypt for 40 years in the best schools of Egypt. He could not separate two fighting Israelites and then after spending 40 years in the slopes of Mount Sinai in ascesis and hysychasm and prayer and purification of the heart, he was able to lead two million people through the desert. Very difficult people, I may add. Another way to purify our noose and our heart is through reading of the Holy Scripture. St. John the Chrysostom says, the minute we pick up the Bible, we begin to purify our minds and our hearts and our noose. Joel Yanakopoulos used to study five hours every day. He was not a hysychast like those of the Holy Mountain, but he studied the Scriptures. At the time, there was, as we mentioned yesterday, there was a special time in the time of Greece in those years that they have placed a tremendous weight on the scriptures. And less time was spent on hysychasm, even though we see now, and through the experiences of our monastics, that purification is much faster through the Jesus prayer. And always by the grace of God. None of this happens without the grace of God, without humility. Without humility, we can do the Jesus prayer all day long. And if we do it to show off our long composkinis, then nothing will happen. You know, we can do that for years. So we purify our heart 
by constantly keeping memory of God, by studying the scriptures on a daily basis, and by coming to the spoken word of Christ, by listening to cassettes, by listening to spiritual videos, by while we're driving to work every day, instead of listening to the radio stations and all those commercials they'll have, and they'll put all kinds of thoughts in your minds, then we listen to something spiritual. That is one way not to sin. And as long as we don't sin, we are purifying our hearts. So when we keep the commandments, we come to the love of God. Now, Christ says this, who is he who loves me? Not the one who puts a uh, poster on his car or a bumper sticker. I love Jesus with all my heart. That's wonderful. Okay. That's not necessarily the way to come to the true love of Christ. It is keeping all the commandments. Why? Because when we do that, we love, when we keep the commandments, we love the commandments of God more than our passion itself. When we do this, we exclude our passions. You see, when I don't work on Sunday, I love God's commandment more than money and more than my family. And I know some people are doctors and some people are nurses and, you know, they force you to work and you have to work. However, you can go to church on Wednesday on another time, go to Vespers. There's always a way. And uh, for those of you who are very young, you can choose. If you know that these occupations are going to make you work on Sundays, if you have this opportunity now, you know, and you're going to school, why choose an occupation that's going to force you to work on a Sunday? It's beyond me. So we choose the way we live. And yes, we do need doctors and people to fly airplanes, of course. But keeping of the commandments leads us to the love of God because we begin to fight our selfish love. We fight our passions. And then when we purify ourselves from these passions, then we have a pure heart. It cannot be accomplished without the holy mysteries, without holy confession, the sacraments, the mysteries of the church. Sacraments is more of a Latin term. The Greek is mysteries, mysteria. So a pure heart like John's will burn for love, for the love in Jesus Christ. And when we have that, we have no other problems because we have Christ inside of us. John, as, John, as we mentioned, had the purest heart of all the apostles, and that's why he was entrusted with the care of the most holy Theotokos. And another way to know that we have, we are on a way of purification is when we see that we have fruits of the Holy Spirit, joy, meekness, and joy, not when things are going well, not you know when we have a job, not when our health is good. <laughs> no, joy is something 
that is with us always, regardless of our environment. And with that, most of us, we have difficulty. Another way to know that we come to purification is when our dreams become pure. And most of the time, we don't really believe our dreams. But we have, if we have impure dreams, it shows that our subconscious still needs a lot of work. So the main purpose of the Christian life is to become a child of God. And as we mentioned in the first session, St. Paul tells us to examine ourselves and to see if Christ lives in us. And Christ lives in us when we purify our heart with confession, holy communion, struggle against sins with the reading of the gospel, with a spoken word of God, almsgiving, of course, a loving heart will give. And then we begin to have this blessing from this life. We see Christ from this life. Blessed, blessed are those of a pure heart because they will see God, not in the future, but from this life. We see Christ. We feel him in our heart. And if someone wants to see Christ, he needs to find a very godly, spiritual father. One of the most difficult problems today. Because today, because we lost the methodology and we lost the orthodox spirituality, not totally, of course. We still have very, very holy people. It would be unfair to say that we do not have pious priests. We do. We have a lot of pious priests in our church. But generally speaking, because of academic theology, scholastic theology, and lack of praxis, we have lost the method of curing the people of God. This spiritual hospital that's called church does not work very well today because most of the doctors, the priests and the bishops, are the doctors, you know, in the parable of the, uh, <clears throat> of the Good Samaritan, the inn is the church, the hospital. <coughs> And we have lost, we have lost spirituality when we are not at the spiritual level and we are not illumined by noetic prayer, then we cannot cure. We simply give some advice like psychologists. Reminds us of, uh, you know, the, uh, the doctors in the 1800s, you know, picture a doctor in the Wawa West comes in a town, he puts up a shingle, you know, doctor. And people go in, the one suffers from a, some kind of an ailment, he gives him something, a placebo. And it doesn't work. He goes again, doesn't work. After that, he says, forget it. He gets shot by a bullet, he goes there, and he cuts him up like a butcher. All of a sudden, people are going to stop going to the doctor. In the ancient church, priests and bishops 
were Christians who were tested. They had noetic prayer. They didn't only have the logikila tria that we mentioned early on, but they had noetic prayer. They had the noetic worship. And again, these verses look like Chinese to us because we understand them the way the Charismatics do, about speaking in tongues. When in the Old Testament and in the prophecies, Christ talks about my new followers will speak by a new language. This new language is not the tongues of the Charismatics. The new language is noetic prayer. So when the Spirit speaks with stenagmis aladitis, it's noetic prayer. So St. Paul says, go to your reasonable word. When we go to liturgy, we're going to use our mind and follow our books. That's called reasonable or logical worship. But then we have the worship of the noose, where the noose worships God from the heart. Noetic prayer. The prayer, the advanced prayer of the Heisekasts. Something that everybody used to have and work on in the early church. So today, unfortunately, most priests are ordained, but according to St. John the Chrysostom, if they are not at the level of repentance and at the level of spirituality, they cannot heal. And at times, if they do it out of an occupation, and they become career priests and bishops, then God is not the one who's ordaining them. And on that day, unless they repent, Christ will tell them, I don't know you. I did not ordain you. Yes, the sacraments are valid for the economy of the church, obviously. We can take Holy Communion from the filthiest hands of a priest. And that Holy Communion is, as long as it's canonical, you know, the Holy Communion is the body and blood of Christ. But however, for priests, and we do have some of those who blaspheme even God in some of the countries. We had priests in the Soviet Union who were made priests by the KGB. They were not priests. They were blasphemers. Christ will tell him, you're an evil shepherd. I don't know you. Unfortunately, when we have this today, when our priests become bearers of this greatest, greatest of callings, then they do much damage to the church. They cannot heal. They have not repented themselves. They become confused, and they confuse other people. Just like the young man yesterday who said that one of our priests in the area was, was telling him that Stefano, Papa Stefano, the heretical Pentecostal Archimandrite in Florida, he was telling him, oh, he's bishop material. Bishop material? It is obvious that this poor human soul is darkened 
and we need to pray very hard for some of these people. Stefano has been banned from the Church of Greece as a Pentecostal. St. Anthony, and this will help us, saw a very important vision. He saw that in the last days, in the altars, will be mules. It was a very strange vision. Horrible. What does this mean? The priests, some of the priests, will be like mules. What is the meaning of this? The strange vision. A mule happens to be the cross fertilization between a donkey and a horse. And what is so characteristic about a mule? It cannot give birth to children. So the priests of the last days will not be able to have spiritual children because they themselves will not be spiritual. Sad. Because they'll be fleshly. They'll be good people, respected people, but they will lack this medicinal methodology of the church. And a lot of these people are today's shepherd. We live in these days. They cannot guide because they themselves are not open to the frequency of the Holy Spirit. The noose is dark by psychology, westernized theology, theology of neo-orthodoxy, theology that beautifully combines sin and salvation. doesn't work. It's inexistent. You cannot have sin and salvation. And it is unfortunate because we hear these stories and, you know, we don't judge anyone. You know, we hear these things and we are very concerned. A lady goes to a priest. Her husband was somewhat paralyzed temporarily from their waist down. And she gets advice like, go ahead, leave him. You need to live your life. Life is for living. Advice from an Orthodox priest. The mother is concerned because her teenager is spending a lot of time with his girlfriend. And that response, what's wrong with you? What do you want him to do? Go with a boy? It's natural. Let him go with a girl. Advice of spiritual fathers of our days. A woman seeks advice in the southern states. She's an Orthodox convert. And the husband is threatening her that unless she becomes Baptist again, we'll divorce her. Well, the advice was, look, why destroy one sacrament to keep the other? Save your marriage. Is this what Christ taught? Forget your orthodox baptism to save your marriage so you, so you can live some enjoyment here on earth. This is 
human logic. Priests are not a thought, they were not taught. This is human psychology. Sure, divorce is painful. You have children, they're gonna suffer. Focus on the family, save the family, and the baptism, you know, doesn't matter. Deplorable advice. Anti-Christian. Christ says, if anyone causes you to sin, if your right hand, meaning your husband, your wife, your best friend, your child, if anyone causes you to sin, you cut him off. Anyone who loves me, anyone who loves brother, sister, wife, husband more than me is not worthy of me. This is scriptural. You see, when we have human logic, then we're not illumined by the Holy Spirit to see these verses at the proper time. So now, if the church happens to be a hospital, then Orthodox monasteries, noose-purifying monasteries, they happen to be the ICU, intensive care units. That's what monasteries are. But what monasteries? Orthodox monasteries. Not like the one that I visited about 15 years ago in New York. And uh, they were trying to be Orthodox. They came from another confession. And I don't want to go into the whole story. But it was Wednesday and they were offering hamburgers. And I asked, well, holy brothers, it's Wednesday. Well, you know what? God gave us teeth and we need to eat. <laughs> Thank you very much. I will never come back here again. St. <clears throat> Pahomius. St. Pahomius had a vision as well. And he wanted, to, he wanted to know, he was praying to see how the monks of the last day and how the lay people of the last days would be. And Christ appeared to him and told him, look, in the last days, very few people will be saved. So, Keep this in your mind and let this encourage you when we don't have hundreds of people here. Very few people will be saved and they will accomplish very minor things. Their asceticism will accomplish them very minor things. But guess what, Bahamias? They will receive the same reward as you. And Pachomius got upset. He says, Lord, here I am working so hard for what? Pachomius are not working hard. I'm giving you the grace, so you know, don't have this thought of pride again. And Pachomius, I'm sorry, Lord, I didn't mean it. So the monks and the Christians of the days of Pachomius they had vision of Christ, tremendous miracles. They had noetic prayer. Why? Because it was the golden age of orthodoxy. They had tremendous spiritual fathers. But they will receive the same reward as you. 
Why? Because they will not have teachers and elders like you. Most of the time, they will be teaching themselves. St. Cosmas says that you want to have to travel 100, 200 miles to meet another Christian. What? Another Christian who thinks like this. And you can go to huge congregations in the South today, and you may not be able to find a Christian or two to think with a mindset of the church fathers. People will be saved due to their good disposition and not by their great works, because we don't have great works. Look at us. We're a mess. But also, God knows. He sees our struggle. And he sees, you know, when our spiritual our spiritual leaders become wolves and they are chasing you instead of urging you on. Instead of congratulating you, they are attacking you. This is the dilemma of our days. So let's try to summarize some of these major points that we mentioned yesterday. We mentioned that the soul has three powers, the noetic, the nous, and the reason, the appetitive and the irascible, or the willpower, and by the hysychastic and the ascetic orthodox spirituality, we will align these powers to be directed towards God, to be transformed. It takes willpower. Imagine the willpower of Joseph the Hysychast, seven, eight hours every night in a cave to force the noose to come into the heart. It is a bloody struggle. Church Fathers took there is not there's nothing harder than this type of work. Nothing harder. Sure it's a lot easier to get in airplanes and run all over Africa. That's easy. It's an easy thing to do. And to write books. It is that struggle that makes saints in the church. And this is why we don't have saints in this part of the hemisphere today. But we have great hopes because this work now is in motion. And we have great hopes in the future. The noose is the energy of the soul while the heart is the essence of the soul. The noose is wounded and distracted, and it needs to come back to its natural place, which is the heart. And when we practice this, we begin to go from even natural people, people who are atheistic, people who have never came to church, the grace of God doesn't show favoritism. We have people that didn't believe in anything and today they're practicing. 
people can go from natural to carnal to spiritual very quickly with their willpower and also with the grace of God. And St. Paul once again separates people into psychicus, natural human beings, where the law of the, jung the, the jungle governs. And then we have carnal, people who have a taste of Christ, but they are babes in Christ. They need to go through this ascesis. And then we need to strive to attain the purification of the noose to reach the spirituality. And of course, it is very difficult nowadays to speak about illumination and theosis. We will be very happy for us if we are at a constant state of repentance. Because even though we need to be spiritual, God is merciful. And if he finds us on a path of genuine repentance, he will fulfill our weaknesses and our lackings. The word noose is found in many parts of the New Testament. The word heart can be found about 150 times in the New Testament. It's used much more often than the word noose. In one very classic example, you know, when uh, Christ was resurrected and Luke and Cleopa, they're walking and they're despondent and they can't believe what happened. And they're walking, they're saying, they're talking to just to to, uh, to comfort each other, they're heartbroken, and then someone who they don't recognize begins to walk with them. Fellas, where are you going? Didn't you hear what happened? Were you a stranger? And, and they begin to tell him what happened in Jerusalem. <laughs> and next thing you know, he begins to talk to them about the scriptures, and their heart begins to burn. And they still didn't recognize him. But then he appeared to the apostles and he calls them anoiti. What is the Greek word anoiti? Beautiful Greek word. Anoiti and radisticardia. Anoitos, remember this, means nousless. Nous, okay, is the uh, higher part of the soul. Nous, and Christ calls them anoiti. You have no news. And then he opens their news at that point, and they see him. They see the resurrected Lord. However, you know, when he, in the parable of the, uh, the parable of the uh, rich man, you know, who uh, broke down his, uh, his barns, thank you, <clears throat> He wanted to build new barns because he had so many things. Christ did not call him anoito. He called him what? Aphron. Brainless. Brainless. Different Greek word. And that's why I think it was Lasky that said, if you do not know Greek, it's very difficult to understand theology because a lot of these words are lost, are lost in the translation. There is no word for noose. So you're going to translate it as mind, brain, but it doesn't say much. That's why we need the teachings of the church fathers to be able to discover these things. 
We will continue tomorrow about the essence of Christianity, the essence of Christianity, which is the Word became flesh. If we wanted to express Christianity in three words, or logos, sots, identical, God becomes flesh. The Word of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, becomes flesh. And we will expand on this tomorrow night. Of course, and that's why, and that's why we have, that's why we have saints. That's why we're still the church. Why? Because once again, uh, you know, we began to lean towards scholastic theology. Our theology was divorced by hysechasm. We said, okay, the holy mountain is one place they can do their thing, but we are the teachers of the universities. And, you know, we, we do things our way. So we had this division where they simply concentrated on simply being teachers, academic teachers, without praxis. Yes. Reason. Orthologismos. With the rationale. And, uh, you know, uh, I remember even in the 50s and 60s, the books of the Church Fathers were, were collecting dust at the seminaries. You know, a lot of our PhDs, again, the teachers themselves, you know, the professors of these priests, they went to England, they went to Harvard, they went to different schools. And yes, some of these teachers in Harvard, they study patristic theology, but they themselves don't understand it. They teach it intellectually without a purified noose, so it doesn't transmit. doesn't work by osmosis. See? Oh, I see. You have to learn German. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. We, we got rid of ancient Greek, you see. Okay. And now we have to learn German and English so we can read the great theologians of the West. And then we try to train our people. So, thank God, and God is merciful. What's that? Well, no, we, we are not, we, God has his, God has his own. And, uh, you know, when God sees that people are praying, he sends help. You see, when people are sincere, and they can be Protestants, and they can be, even Catholics, and if they are sincere, God will send them help. He will send them a neighbor, one of you, to be next to them, to give them some vasilopita and talk to them about orthodoxy and bring them in. God has his own. You know, um, that does not show favoritism. So he has his, he has his people. Anybody who has good disposition and is sincere, God will visit that person. He'll reveal himself, even if he's on a mountain or, you know, somewhere in the desert. He'll find a way to save that person if that person is sincere. Yeah, <laughs> living, living sacrifices, okay. 
if need be. However, uh, let's not hold our breath because that's the highest gift of the Holy Spirit. Martyrdom is the highest gift of the Holy Spirit. It's only given as a gift to very few. So we need to be worthy to be called for that. And, uh, you know, John was ready, but Peter wasn't. Peter became worthy later on. He repented, and then he martyred. John was already a martyr, so he died a natural death. You see. But in his paralysis, he's already a martyr because he already followed Christ to the cross. He says, I don't care what happens to me. Whatever happens to my master, let it happen to me. He was already a martyr in his paralysis. You see. Now, those living sacrifices, meaning we offer ourselves to God, not necessarily literally. We offer our mind to God, our strength to God, our bodies to God. Instead of offering our bodies to the television set, we offer it to helping someone, to visiting somebody in the hospital. You see. And also, let's not forget that we are part of the royal priesthood. Do you all know that? About the three offices of Christ? Okay. We are Vasilion Iratevma, according to St. Peter. We will be priests and kings unto God. It says in the first in the first chapter of the book of the Revelation. We're all priests and kings. We are chosen to be kings along with Christ, to reign on, along with the throne of Christ. We mentioned yesterday. If we, if we have low self-esteem, you know, we are very unhealthy spiritually. 